Good morning and welcome to Echoes of Calvary. This is your host, Greg Sweeting. Thank you for opening your home to us this morning. I invite you to now open your hearts and worship with us as we share from the Word of God. Stay with us as we share comments and illustrations with us this morning. I invite you to now open your hearts and worship with us as we share from the Word of God. Stay with us as we share comments and illustrations with a call us to worship. And in a few minutes, Pastor Alan Lee will come to share insights from Scripture and explain how to apply God's Word that we might grow to be complete in Christ. This is a special moment between us. Today we broadcast the first Echoes of Calvary for a new year. That's special in my books. I hope in yours too. Last Wednesday we saw the beginning of the year 2014. I know that's four days ago. We're already four days into the new year. The watch night service is behind us now. Old Lang Syne has been sung and we've kissed our loved ones and wished them health and success during this coming year. If you believe it makes a difference, we have also written out our annual list of New Year's resolutions. Once again, pretending that this list of hope for us will actually make us do them, make the changes we want in ourselves, improve our lives accordingly, and so on. Personally, my wife and I will begin this new year without the Christian bookshop as a business and a ministry. This still makes us sad. It was no easy decision to shut down the iconic business that we have served the Christian community and the church in the Bahamas for these 40 years or so, but we felt we had to do it. The benefit now is that we have no ties that will impede our ability to travel whenever we wish, to visit our children and grandchildren scattered all over the United States and the Bahamas, whenever we choose to do so. I'm sure that the similar existing businesses in Nassau will rise to the challenge and fill that void. In many respects, our closure has been a windfall for them, I suppose. What has become very clear to us, though, all this life has constant change to give to us. Our lives face many challenges. Those challenges seem to be getting more difficult and happening ever more frequently as we grow older and the world seems to be becoming more complicated. Looking back now, life seems more complicated and people seem more selfish and self-centered than I ever remember. I wonder if you feel that way too. That last remark has triggered a flood of feelings. Looking back over the last year, I'm reminded that it was a tough year for me. Shutting the shop was perhaps one of the hardest things that we've had to do. But beyond this, my wife and I encountered a number of other personal challenges. My wife had a major health encounter which required weeks of treatment and gave us both reason to learn to lean more confidently on the Lord. We closed the Christian bookshop, which was long and arduous process and which caused us to have many decision points and even obstacles along the way. During all this, there were many other things happening within our family and other personal situations. And quite disappointingly, we also had to deal with difficult interpersonal conflicts. Some people whom we know for years, fellow believers even, became antagonistic over some business matters. Things which should have been worked out in love and respect became sources of anger and insinuation. 
What an unfortunate slate of affairs it became. There are so many more constructive things with which we can engage. Instead of becoming more like the Lord, we waste precious time fuming and struggling with silly issues. Silly in the perspective of eternity. What will it all have mattered when we wake up in heaven one day and realize what time we have wasted in futile, irrelevant, and silly things? I hope that as believers we will set our focus on things of value for eternity during this coming year. Let us make this year count. Be meaningful in terms of eternity values. Let us set our eyes to look forward, upward, onto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, refusing to become embroiled in foolishness and silly things that too often take our gaze from eternity and bring it to the mundane, worthless things of this world. Let's be positive and think heavenly.
sat down with Timothy. But I said, Timothy, And now with this message for today, here is Senior Pastor Emeritus, Alan Lee. Good morning and a blessed new year to all. May this year be one of spiritual fulfillment and growth in Christlikeness as you study to show yourself approved of God, a diligent disciple who is not ashamed because you are accurately handling the Word of God. Now today, as we continue to look at what the Bible says will be a major characteristic of the last days relative to the church, or more specifically, Christendom, and that is deception by those who claim to be followers of Christ, who use his name and the word of God for personal gain. We will look at a passage of scripture in which Jesus tells us how we can discern these false teachers and deceivers who peddle the word of God for personal profit. You will see a lot more of this in the year we have just ended, my friends. Now, I am no prophet or son of a prophet, but based on the word of God, I say, mark my words. The passage that I want to look at today is Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 through 23. It is Jesus' conclusion to what we call the Sermon on the Mount. It is his application of all that he has said in this amazing sermon in which he teaches that those who seek to live according to the righteousness demanded to be a part of his kingdom is extremely high and demanding, to say the least. Self-sacrifice, 
holiness of life and obedience to his word are essential elements of being a true disciple of Jesus Christ and a citizen of his kingdom. Please listen then as I read the word of God. It is Jesus speaking, and I am reading from the New Living Testament. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. End of quote. Notice Jesus' first exhortation. He says, enter through the narrow gate. This is the gate that genuine believers must enter the kingdom of God, and it is a narrow one. It is not one designed for crowds to enter all at once. It is a narrow gate. Its restrictions are clear and definite, and so are its requirements. Notice the contrast of these gates. For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And so this gate, this broad gate, is easily entered and easily followed and walked upon. The end result is that many, now notice that, many enter through it. Please note carefully now the strong contrast with the gate that leads to life. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life. And notice now, only a few find it. These are the words of Jesus Christ. He is clearly telling us that genuine believers, genuine disciples of his, will be few because of the hardships and difficulties involved with and are a natural inherent part of being a child and citizen of his kingdom. There's no hint of wealth, health, and happiness being guaranteed to those who follow him. In fact, it's just the opposite. As Peter states in his epistle, we are not only called to believe in Christ, but also to suffer for him. And so, my friends, hardships and difficulties, as we say, come with the territory of being a true disciple of Jesus Christ. Christ himself teaches us that truth in this passage. And this is a truth that is not emphasized today. All we hear about is wealth and fun and enjoyment and being happy. But Jesus gives us a different story here. Amazingly, Jesus says only a few find this narrow way. Now, why is the Broadway appealing to so many people? Why is it appealing to the crowd? It's because of the ease in which the road is walked and the crowds who are on it follow. It's easy and all of your friends are on it. So you say to yourself, it must be the right way. Everything seems good. Everything feels good, and everything looks good as this road is being traveled upon. We call it, I believe, the scenic route. But the one major problem and disadvantage is the end result of where the road leads. Jesus says it leads to destruction. Here's how one commentator on this passage puts it, and I quote him now. The great teacher says, that's Jesus Christ, and says it as one having authority. To the supposed injustice or harshness of this he never once adverts. He leaves it to be inferred that such a course righteously, naturally, necessarily so ends. But whether men see this or not, here he lays down the law of the kingdom and leaves it with us. As to the other way, the disadvantage of it lies in its narrowness and its solitude. 
Its very first step involves a revolution in all our purposes and plans for life and surrender of all that is dear to natural inclination. While all that follows is but a repetition of the first great act of self-sacrifice, no wonder then that few find and few are found in it. But it has one advantage. It leads unto life. End of quote. My friends, that's the message I want to impart to you as we begin this new year. You must view the Christian life in a different perspective that you hear it being preached on so many of our radio and TV stations today. It's not a health and wealth and happiness. It is one of sacrifice, one of suffering for the Lord Jesus Christ. This tells us that in this age of mega churches and concert-like worship services where everything seems to be fun and enjoyment, we have to be careful as to how we determine the success or legitimacy of a religious institution, including a church. Size and crowds do not necessarily mean that something is right or that it is being blessed of God. It could also be blessed of the devil, as Jesus will explain later on in this passage. In fact, Paul says that in these days, many, yes, many will go after the preachers who tickle their ears and turn away from sound or wholesome doctrine. Many, not a few, but many. These folk actually go looking for those who tell them old wives' stories made up to make them feel good and to be satisfied with their ungodly lifestyle. This is the sort of entertainment preaching we get today. Those who are always trying to promote a good life that shuns away from sacrifice and holiness. You see, because such teaching would be unpopular and actually shunned by most people today, Jesus next forewarns his hearers that preachers who teach that following him would be easy, free of pain, poverty, or health, like the false prophets of old, will also be active and prevalent in these days in which we now live. Hear then the words of the Master in verse 15 of this passage, where he both warns of false teachers and teaches us a very vital truth concerning how to discern who they are. Verse 15 says, and I quote, Watch out for false prophets. My friends, that's a stern warning from Jesus Christ himself. These false prophets are coming, he says. And in fact, to understand the times in which we now live, I would say we must realize that they are already here in our midst. Jesus then underlines the deceptive strategy of these false teachers. Quote, They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. In other words, they actually present themselves as bona fide God-sent expounders of the word of God and guides to the kingdom of God. These folk dressed apart and talked the language, but they are not genuine servants of God at all. They are not true communicators of his word at all. They misrepresent the way one must walk as children of the kingdom. They try to persuade you that the gate is not straight and the way is not narrow. Jesus says they are ferocious wolves bent on devouring the flock for themselves. And so he says, beware. And that's my message to you who are listening to me today as well. Beware of false teachers in the days in which we live. 
But then Jesus next gives us standards and measuring guidelines to help us discern true teachers of his word from those are what he calls false prophets. Verse 16, and I quote, By their fruit you will recognize them. Now this is a stunning statement. For although sound doctrine is a vital part of a preacher's life and ministry, Jesus says that the practical end result of their teaching is also of primary importance. In fact, one leads to the other. You cannot live a truly good life unless it is based on sound doctrine. And so Jesus explains this next when he says, Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Of course, the answer is, of course not. False teaching cannot lead to a righteous lifestyle. It cannot lead you to become a true child of God or citizen of the kingdom of God. Here's what Jesus says himself to explain this in verse 17, and I quote, Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Now, my friends, if you think these are serious words from our Savior, listen to the rest of the passage. And remember now, it is Jesus himself speaking. Verse 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many, notice that, not few, but many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers. Isn't that amazing? These people who are demonstrating so much miracles and other things as preachers and teachers of the word, Jesus has been saying that you were using my name in vain. You were saying, I sent you, but I did not. You were saying it was my word you were preaching, but it was your own word. Now, my friends, if there's anything that should put the fear of God in us, it is this warning from our Lord Jesus Christ and our Savior himself. In fact, these words are so important and they impact us so vitally in these days in which we live that we'll have to spend some more time in expounding these next Lord's Day, if it is His will. And so, until then, please examine what you hear from preachers, including the one you are now listening to. See what is being said is in keeping with the Word of God. Be a Berean Christian who did the study of the word with diligence to seek from the word of God, to test from the word of God what they heard the preacher saying. Be a Berean. Search the scriptures with diligence. This is Senior Pastor Emeritus Alan Lee saying, Selah, think and act on these things.
Savior comes from heaven, when His blessed face we see. You have been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church in Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship service begins this morning at 11 o'clock in the sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We extend an invitation to you to join us on these occasions. If you would like to contact the church or Pastor Lee, address your letters to Echoes of Calvary, Post Office Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And so we come to an end of this broadcast. I invite you to think about the message this morning. Consider the one who is our Savior and Lord. Grow to be complete in Him. And remember, as echoes from Calvary stir in your heart, keep listening for that shout, Maranatha, the Lord is coming soon. The great command is promised, he will surely come again. I am listening every moment for the mighty trumpet sound. What a time we'll have together when the saints shall leave the ground. Happen in a moment, Jesus Christ could come again. I am listening every moment for the mighty trumpet sound. What a time we'll have together when the saints shall leave the ground. in a moment Jesus Christ could come again